0: Turn in your Bible to Acts number 18. Acts number 18. At this time, bridge kids are dismissed. Elementary ages, K through 5, your teachers are waiting for you at the back. Ages K through 5, bridge kids are dismissed. Acts number 18. Acts number 18. The whole chapter is our assignment. But we're actually just going to look at verses 1 through 11 for this morning. Acts 18, verses 1 through 11. I encourage you to read the rest during your quiet time. Acts number 18. Then next week we'll be right into number 19. Acts number 18. And here is what it reads. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Christmas, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Go back to verse 9. Verse 9 and 10. That's where our semantic focus will be this morning. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not Be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be a silent. For I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Paul is now at the end of his second missionary journey. He's been through the region of Galatia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens. His friends Timothy and Silas are back in Berea. So he's by himself. He He's alone. He's been persecuted. He's been accused of treason. He's been misunderstood, mocked, ridiculed, insulted, and the like. The, The Jews, his own people, have rejected their own Messiah. And now he's in Corinth of all places. The one thing you ought to not let anybody ever call you is a Corinthian. Corinthian to be called a Corinthian was to be called an immoral person. He 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 he's gone through so much and now we saw Paul in Acts chapter 18. He's discouraged, despondent, disheartened, depressed. He he he's afraid when he writes in front to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians, he says, I came to you in much fear and trembling and in weakness. Why, Paul, are you disheartened, discouraged, and despondent? Because you've got to remember Paul. He goes from one city, like Thessalonica, because he's being attacked and opposed And he goes to another city, and the people, the Jews from Thessalonica, who disproved of the gospel and disproved of Paul, followed him from Thessalonica to Berea to make trouble for him there. Everywhere he turns, there's trouble. He turns to the north, there's trouble. Turns to the south, there's trouble. Turns to the east, there's trouble. He turns to the west, there's trouble. There's trouble on every hand. It's it's like it's his twin. It's, It's connected to him. Everywhere he goes, there's trouble. He's being hunted by those who oppose the gospel. In Philippians, he calls them the enemies of the gospel. He's constantly persecuted, accused, charged. Put on trial. Paul knows that he's always one judgment away from being sentenced to death. And so now his heart is full of fear. He's afraid. He's weak. He's wondering if it's worth it to keep proclaiming this gospel. There may be someone in the room this morning who showed up, who says, I can identify with Paul. I was about to say, my name may not be Paul, but I am Pauletta. Only problem is we got a Pauletta in the room. (laughs) Ha! But somebody in here can say, I can identify with Paul because I showed up this morning with a smile on my face, but in my heart, I'm discouraged. I'm disheartened. I'm despondent, And Brandon, I'm just one throw away from throwing in the proverbial towel. You, you show up this morning because in knowing that life seems to be full of trouble. There's trouble on every hand. The marriage is fragile. Kids are going wild. Wild. The, the boss seems to criticize every minor detail of your work. Your co-workers are going nuts. You walked in discouraged this morning. So the question on the table for us this morning is, How do we deal with discouragement? Even in ministry, we get discouraged. I I, I show up some Sunday morning with discouragement in my heart for a number of different reasons. We all have to deal with discouragement. And so Paul here, he's discouraged. He's doing all the right things, but all the wrong things keep happening. Have you been there before? How do we deal with this discouragement? I'm glad you asked. Look at Acts chapter 18, verse 8. In the midst of Paul's discouragement, fear, and weakness, the Lord himself shows up and he says to Paul, Paul, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and and do not be silent. Why? For I'm with you. And no one will attack you, to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Church, Christ's word to the discouraged, the despondent, the disheartened, the fearful, and the weak. Those who are on the brink of giving up. God's word to you this morning is don't be full of fear. Don't be afraid. Keep going. Keep living out your calling. Don't give in to the discouragement don't give in to the enemy don't give in to the opposition don't give in to the situation or the circumstance keep on going God's word for somebody in the house today is it's always too soon to quit oh y'all gonna make me preach up in here up in here not only is that a good word for some individual but I think that's a good word for the British church on their two-year anniversary. God's word to the branch church this morning is it's too soon to quit now. We, we can't give up now. We've come too far from where we've started, and I just don't believe that he's brought us this far to leave us now. It's too soon to quit now. And friends, yes, I know even on this morning as a church, we have reasons to be discouraged. We're still not 100% financially independent. There's insecurity concerning this facility, a a long-term building solution. Attendance is like a roller coaster. It's up one Sunday and down the next Sunday. We, 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 We haven't seen as much fruit as we'd like from the community. But Christ's word to us this morning is be encouraged. Remain faithful. Don't stop Don't give up now, keep working, keep witnessing, keep worshiping, keep serving, keep praying, keep trusting, it's too soon to quit now. Okay, you want some Bible, look for here, Christ says the reason you ought not be afraid, the reason you ought not give up, he says, first of all, is because I'm going to give you the promise of my presence. Look at verse 10, the A part of verse 10, Christ says to Paul in verse 10a, he says, you ought not be afraid. Keep on speaking, keep on doing your ministry, keep on doing your thing because I am with you. Christ says to Paul and to us that you don't have to pray, have to be afraid. You don't have to, you can continue in ministry because I'm with you. And the Greek text, it literally says, this is how it reads. I, I am with you. Rewind, press play you got confused by my wife laughing it literally says I, I am with you the reason the double pronoun is there I, I am is because Christ is as if he's pointing to himself to say I Jesus am with you I myself am with you it's as if Jesus stopped And says to Paul, remember my resume. I'm the same one that can speak to a raging storm, say, peace, be still, and the storm has to be still. I am the one who can give sight to the blind. I am the one who can raise dead men from the grave. I am the one that took two two fish and five loaves of bread and fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. I am the same Christ who defeated sin, Satan, and death when I rose from the grave right early Sunday morning. That's Christ. I myself am with you. And that by itself ought to be peace for somebody in the room today. You're feeling discouraged. You're feeling alone. You're ready to give up. You're contemplating suicide. And Christ says to you, I'm with you. Let my presence comfort you. Friends, this is oftentimes how God comforts those of his people. Let me see if I can call some witnesses here this morning. Come here. Come here, Joseph. Come here, Joseph. Joseph, I I just told my brothers a dream, and the next thing you know, I'm in a pit. And the next thing I know after being in a pit is that now I've been sold into slavery. And and, and, And Joseph's testimony this morning is even when I was in slavery, my master was able to look at me and see that God's favor was on me because my master even said that the Lord was with him. Okay, okay. That same master, Potiphar, had a wife. She looked at Joe and she said, Joe, mm, mm, mm. I want some Joe. Joe said, no, you a married woman and I am God's man. So no, no, no to some Joe, Joe, Joe. Potiphar's wife said, no, no, no. You're not going to reject me. Women do not like to be rejected in the Bible. So, so she makes up a story and says says that Joseph uh, sexually, physically assaulted her. So, Joseph is wrongfully imprisoned. Even in prison, the record is the Lord was with him. Joseph, if he was right now, he would say, whether you in the pit or in the prison, or in slavery, God will be with you. In the worst of situations, God's presence will comfort you and can prosper you. Okay, you don't like Joseph, all right. Move, Joseph, let me call Joshua. Joshua, Joshua says, I've just been second in command to Moses. Moses done led the children of Israel. They even went to the wilderness, they were in there for 40 years. It took us a long time to make a three-day trip, but that's all right. Moses was my leader, and so I've just been here, lifting up Moses. Whatever Moses needed, I was there. Moses is dead. How do you move on without Moses? So God says, I need a leader for my people. And so he says, Joshua, you've been right there with Moses. You, You are it. And so God's word to Joshua is this. Joshua, you just be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go as I was with Moses so I will be with you and so God's word to us this morning is if you're feeling lonely if you're feeling discouraged don't forget I'm with you now here's the thing we got to be careful about when we read the Bible when God makes promises they're not always blanket promises there are some promises that are just for certain individuals There are other promises that are for certain groups of people, like the nation of Israel. There are certain promises that are conditioned on certain things. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, can I really consider that the promises and the practices of God with certain other people are for me too? Can I really have the promise of God's presence? I'm so glad you asked. The Hebrew writer wrote in chapter 13, he told his readers, he said, said, be content. Don't be greedy. Here's what he said to them about not worrying about money. He said, the Lord has said himself, the Lord is my helper. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So to answer the question, can we claim the promise of divine presence with us at all times? Hebrews tells us yes, because we have the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Okay, okay, wait. All right, I got you. I got you. I got one more. Hear me, Jesus. What you got to say, Jesus? Jesus had risen from the grave, and he tells his disciples after Uh, one of the last meetings he says all authority has been given to me on heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey whatever I have commanded you. And lo, lo always means look. Pay attention. This part is really, really important. I am with Remember I told you a promise, some promises come with conditions? This is one of them. As long as we are committed to making disciples, we can claim that promise as a church and as individuals that Christ says, I will be with you even as you go and make disciples. He says you can be encouraged no matter what you're going through because you have the promise of my presence. All right, we pounded that one good enough. Let's go to the next one. Not only is there the promise of his presence, but Christ says, I also want to give you the promise of my protection. Look at verse 10, uh, part B, cause B. After he tells them, he says, I'll be with you. He says, and no one will attack you to harm you. Christ says to Paul, I will protect you. I will keep you from all hurt, harm and danger. You know what? Today is the first official Sunday of professional football. Y'all supposed to be excited about that, Miss Veronica. In honor of professional football in 2018, which will eventually lead to the crowning of the Dallas Cowboys as the Super Bowl champions, in the name of Jesus, I pray. <laughs> I got a football illustration. So, I coach football. Bill Turner has allowed me to be a part of his coaching staff last season and this season. In football, you've got three primary parts of the game. You've got the offense, the defense, and you've got special teams. Special teams, that's punting, kicking, those kind of things. Forget about that for now. The offense... Their job is to take the ball and to uh, reach the goal of getting to the end zone, which leads to the scoring of a touchdown. That's how you get points. The other part is the defense. Defense, their responsibility is to keep the offense from reaching their goal. In order for the offense to reach their goal of scoring a touchdown, they have two options. One. They can run the ball. Quarterback takes the ball from the center and he hands it off to a running back and he just runs to try to make a touchdown. That's one option. I like that. I said, I like that. The second option is passing the ball. Right, Elliot? So you pass the ball. What the passing is, in case you don't know football, I'm not going to make any assumptions, the quarterback. He's get under the center, the center hikes him the ball, the center gets the ball, he drops back, and then he sets up to pass the ball to a receiver. The receiver receives the ball from the quarterback. Here's the only problem. The defense does not want the quarterback to throw the ball. So what the defensive coach does is he sends players rushing at the quarterback to tackle him. We call that a sack. He may send three. He may send four. He may send five. He can even send six people to try to rush the quarterback to tackle him. So what's the offensive counter? They have some big guys. We call them men. They, there are at least five guys, five big guys, and their job is to protect the quarterback. To protect the quarterback, they are told to make a pocket around the quarterback so he can stand there, survey the field, and find the open man and make his throw completely. They are taught to form a pocket. A pocket simply looks like a semicircle. And when you have that pretty semicircle, it gets the coaches really happy. And as long as you are blocking the opposition and keeping them from the quarterback, the quarterback is able to hopefully accomplish his goal. In order for the quarterback to accomplish his goal, he needs those men up front to form the pocket. That's called protection. You said, Brandon, you gave us that football illustration for what? Because Jesus said, I will be your personal pocket of protection. Jesus says, I'm the real man. I, I, I will keep you from all hurt harm and danger. You're "Bring Brandon, give me somebody, some Bible. The Lord is my refuge. A very present help in the time of trouble. God says, I will be your pocket. I will be your protection. So even if you're feeling discouraged, people giving you hell on work, God says, I'm your pocket. You don't have to give revenge. I'm your pocket. You, you, you're catching hell on every hand. God says, I'm your pocket. I got you. We got too many women in this church. Just, y'all should be shouting right now for this illustration. Christ says, I'll give you the promise of my presence. We're talking about dealing with discouragement. No, I'll give you the promise of my protection. And then he says, I'll give you the promise of my people, Tennessee. Christ says, the other reason you can keep on going is because I have many people in this city. Now, let's think about this. The gospel and the proclaimer of the gospel just came to Corinth. Paul has just arrived to Corinth. So the gospel is just now getting to Corinth. How is it that Christ can say that he has many people in this city? If the gospel just got there, how is it that Christ knows that he has many people in this city. He doesn't say, I have many people in this region. He says, I have many people in this city. Paul just got to that city, which means that the gospel just got to that city, but yet Christ is saying, I have many people in this city. How do you know that? Because Christ knows that God is out before the foundation of the world. God has chosen a people for himself. And so Christ knows that it is through the ministry of Paul that he will have a people for him in this city. In other words, they're not saved yet, but through Paul's ministry, they will be saved. What's your point, Brandon? In other words, in times of discouragement, God oftentimes encourages us by us by giving us the assurance that we will be successful. Remember... There's no people yet that he doesn't have a large group of people. Christ doesn't yet have a large group of people in the city. But Christ prophesies he will have many people in the city. And it's through the ministry of Paul that that will happen. Watch this. Christ merely tells him he will have some success in the city. Here's what he doesn't tell them. He doesn't tell them when the success will come. He doesn't tell them how many people will be saved from his ministry all he does is he tells them you'll have some success in this city here's God's words for the British church this morning we will see fruit from our work but it's going to happen in God's own time our job you can clap on that, thank you I said y'all can clap on that Oh, we don't have to mass produce fruit. Our job is simply to plant the seed. And then we let the water of the word and the soil of the Holy Spirit do the work. I got my towel. I'm just enjoying this. Can I go now? So, God says to the bridge this morning, there will be fruit. Don't worry about fruitfulness. You just worry about the faithfulness. Remember, the word that we want to hear Christ say at the end of the day, well done thy good and. He won't say good and fruitful servant. He'll say good and faithful servant. How do we know that we're being successful? Because we're being faithful to what we've been called to do. What is it that we've been called to do? I'm glad you asked. Develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. I don't know when the vision will become reality. I don't even know exactly how that vision will become reality. But God's word to to us this morning and maybe I'm just happy because I've been preaching to myself because I've had days of discouragement, days when I felt all alone. But the word for us this morning as we celebrate our two-year anniversary and go eat some Mexican food here in a few minutes is, be faithful. I'm with you, He faithful. I know, I know we've got so much that we want to accomplish as the British church. We want to rule the world for King Jesus from the British church. We wanna empty out the foster care system. We wanna transform 67208, and we, we, it seems like we're taking baby steps, and it's gonna take us forever. Here's God's word to us. Be faithful. Be faithful, and he will give us the fruit in his own time. Friends, let me encourage you. We live in now in a microwave society. Worship team, you can head back this way. We live now in a microwave society. We want what we want, when we want it, yesterday. And we have that same mentality in church. We want the results now. But, friends, the work of the gospel, it's a slow, tedious work. These, These churches that just explode all of a sudden, I'm not saying God's not in it. I'm just saying that that's not the norm. This is what's normal when it comes to the church, kingdom work. I'm not against mega churches, I'm not against large churches. Don't hear me say that. But y'all, we this is planting. Seeds. And it takes time. And so my word to you, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like we're not really, we're just spinning our wheel. We're not going anywhere. God's word to us this morning is just continue to be faithful. He's with us. If, if God was not with us, we would have gone from a small group of 40 people to averaging 110 people. We've almost tripled in size. I know my math. So just go with me. That can be a sign of God's hand of favor and blessing. This is the gospel. Y'all, the gospel is not popular. Play something, y'all. It's not popular. People are not running to this. When we preach the gospel and the implications of the gospel, they call us bigots, small-minded, narrow-minded. old-fashioned, people are not just attracted to this. Our job is to be faithful in the proclamation of the gospel and protecting the gospel. My word to you this morning is, be faithful. If you're here today you're feeling alone, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling weak, you feel like throwing in a towel, whatever situation it may be, not just in church, but at home, at work, in your neighborhood, wherever it may be, God's word to you this morning is, I'm with you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He didn't promise that they wouldn't form, but he did promise they wouldn't prosper. And he said, there will be fruit. But it'll happen when I want it to happen. You're here today, and maybe you 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 want to what is this gospel that Brandon keeps talking about? It is simply this. First, before there can be the gospel, which means good news, you must realize that there is bad news. And the bad news is that you are a sinner. You were created for God, to worship God, to live for Him, to obey Him. But by nature, you got you receive the sin nature. Passed down from Adam and Eve through your parents who received it from their parents. And as a result, you deserve eternal separation from God in hell. The place where God dispenses his wrath for those who sin against him. Who fail to uphold his holy, just, and righteous law. That's the bad news. But I've come declaring good news for you this morning. The good news is that the penalty that you deserve, the penalty that you've incurred, God has paid it for you through his son, Jesus Christ. Your sin that has been paid in full. And now you can have eternal life because of what Jesus has done for you. He died on an old rugged cross one Friday. Stayed in the grave, but bright early Sunday morning he rose with all power in his hand. Jesus did the work that you couldn't do for yourself. And the good news is that now that the work has been done, there's nothing left for you to do. It's a free gift. And all you have to do is respond to that free gift by faith. By totally trusting, depending, and relying on Jesus Christ and nothing or no one else. Now, this free gift it's not like the free gifts you get when you walk through the mall. They say, yeah, we'll give you free this and that if you do such and such and such and such. And next thing you know, you're sitting through a four-hour presentation. And you know, I'm not, I'm not buying this. I couldn't afford it. I could do it if I wanted to. I just came here for the free ticket. Christ has paid it in full. All you have to do is trust. It's by grace it's a free gift. We're offering it to you this morning. Will you receive it by faith or reject it? If you, if you reject it, here's what Paul said to those who rejected the gospel here in Acts 18. He says he shook off the dust and he said, your blood is upon your own head. You're responsible for your own unbelief. And so we urge you today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Some people, you're thinking that, well, I'm just going to get myself together. How you going to do that? You don't have the power to do it. You need a power outside of yourself to get yourself together. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you believe, you receive the power that you need to change. That power is a person, and he's called the Holy Spirit. And he will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so we've got it all backwards. If you think that you need to clean up yourself first before you come, God works completely different. He says, come, and then I'll clean you up. Let's sing. Friend, as we continue into now this third year of ministry, we must keep Jesus at the center. Jesus must remain the center of our lives and of the church. Nothing else. Jesus. Let's sing that together. Thank you.